day. What a great day. I, I heard a story recently about Joseph of Arimathea. Do you know who he is? So he was a gentleman who, who he actually gave his tomb to Jesus. So Jesus didn't have a tomb prepared. In those days, you had to have a, uh, you, your family had a designated tomb that they, they would bury all their, the family members in. And um, so Joseph of, of Arimathea, he hears that Jesus has died on the cross, and he's like, oh, I'm going to give him my tomb. Gives Jesus his tomb to be buried in. Goes home, telling his wife about the sacrificial deed he's done. His wife turns to him and said, so how much did you ask for it? You know, this is, so, so he, he turns and he said, no, no, I gave it for free. She's going, what? We've got children to educate. You know, we've got, we've got university coming up, the rent's going up. Gosh, you should, you should have asked something. And he's like, you know, I just really felt it in the goodness of my heart. So she says, well, you know, come on, you, you should have died. You should have at least got a billboard outside donated by Joseph of Arimathea or something, you know, got to get something out of this. So he said, you know what? I just felt to do it in my goodness of heart because you know what? I realized it's just for a weekend. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> how, how awesome is that? Just for a weekend. Just for a weekend. And then our king came roaring out of that grave. You know, he, 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 said he, he said he would hand himself over to the evil one, to the enemy. And he did. He completely abandoned himself. He refused to answer the accusations against him. He just said, do whatever you want to with me. And the devil certainly gave it his absolute best shot. But you just can't hold the maker of the universe down. You just can't hold the creator of all down. You just can't hold righteousness itself down. You can't hold holiness. You can't hold the one who calls himself the resurrection down. And Jesus came roaring out of that tomb. And with him, all our hopes, our dreams, every good thing is realized. When, when Jesus stood up out of that tomb, it said to every single person, there is hope for the future. Yeah. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand? I think he's worth it. So for those of you who are visiting today, we are continuing with a preaching series that we've been doing that is called Let There Be Light. And it's, it's been answering life's most difficult questions, responding to life's most difficult questions, walking through them with one another and facing the difficult stuff head on. And today I want to ask, I, I want to answer one of Christianity's most perplexing questions, and that is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? If any of you have been around any Muslim people, you will know that they vehemently state that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Therefore, he could be seen afterwards because he wasn't resurrected. He just escaped death. We also know from the Bible and from history that many of the authorities and the Jewish leaders decided to spread a rumor saying that someone had stolen his body, that the resurrection wasn't true. 
Why is this fact about Christianity so hotly contested? Because it is a claim that no other religion makes. It is a claim that if this is true, then everything Jesus said is true. I mean, if, this, if the resurrection is true, then Christianity is the only way to God. If the resurrection is true, then when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to me, no one comes to the Father, excuse me, except through me. His resurrection validates every word he says, and that means that he is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to resurrection life. He is the only way to eternal life. He is the only way to salvation. So therefore, this has become the most hotly contested aspect of, hu- of Christianity. And so we're going to tackle it head on. I hope you're ready. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to share around your word, Lord God. We feel so privileged, Lord God, that we, we live in the kind of society where there's freedom and um, religious freedom of religious expression, that we can just worship you wholeheartedly, Lord God. We want to thank you, Lord God, just for the grace you're extending to us today through Jesus Christ, Lord. Father God, we want to we come before you and we want to ask that because we came today, that the world would be different. Because we gave of our time this morning, Lord God, that our lives would be changed, that something would be significantly different about the way we live, the way we approach life, the way we think, the way we feel. Lord God, I thank you that you are gracious and loving and holy, Lord. Grace, us to, grace me to speak your word your way this morning. Amen and amen and amen. So I, I guess I, I want to start with kind of posing you this problem. Imagine that you got a phone call tomorrow and it went like this. I am the solicitors of your long lost aunt. And she has left you 20 million rand. She mentioned the name of your aunt, and it was a real aunt, because, you know, we all get those emails. (laughs) It wasn't one of those emails, but this was a a real aunt. You didn't know she was wealthy, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, you know, this could really be a scam. This could really be a scam, but at the same time, you're thinking 20 million rand. You know, that's a lot of money. I bet you what's going through your mind at that moment is, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it's certainly worth investigating. I don't have to sign my name to any paper. I don't have to give a down, a deposit of 50,000 rand first. You know those emails. But it's certainly worth investigating. And I want to propose to you, I don't know where you are in your Christianity. I I would assume that most of you are full-on Jesus lovers, Jesus followers. But there might be some of you here that are, you know, you're asking questions. And I want to propose to you this, that the resurrection is such an audacious claim. If it's true, it brings with them its value far more than 20 million rand. 
And if this is true, it certainly changes everything. And therefore, whether you fully believe it or not, it is certainly worth investigating. It is certainly worth taking the time to say, what does this mean? How could this be true? Can this be true? Of course, if it is true, then we are accountable for the knowledge we have to live in light of this truth. I loved what Rona shared earlier, is that if, if Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, and we believe it, then we should live like that. It should influence every part of the way we live. So did Jesus really die from the dead? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because this has been such a hotly contested part of Christianity over the years, scholars have actually put a lot of work into answering this question. And the answer goes like this. I summarize it in four, four words that start with the letters T-E-L-L. That's how I remember it. Tell. Go and tell the world that God is resurrected, that Jesus has done this incredible thing. But the arguments for the resurrection can be summarized in four points. The first point is that the tomb was empty. Now, I want, I want to start by saying this, that the Bible that we have today, out of all ancient documents, has the most evidence for its accuracy. So out of any ancient documents, all the literature we have from the Roman times, from the ancient Greek times, the Bible is the most reliable scientifically. It has the most manuscripts to document it. It has the most historical evidence. It has the most possible accuracy. So when we, when we look at, I mean, if we had to examine how do we know that the tomb was empty, we would have to go to biblical documents because they contain the most accurate history of that time. Matthew 28, 1 to 10 tells this fascinating story. Jesus is dead. He's in the tomb. His disciples are mourning. Life, all their dreams are shattered. They are like what felt like worth living yesterday no longer feels worth living. Two women, Mary Magdalene and the Bible says the other Mary. We're not sure who the other Mary was. The two Marys head off to the tomb. They are going to anoint Jesus' body with spices, which is a practice they had in those days, to preserve the body. Another one of the recordings of the same thing says they asked, who will roll away the stone? Because the, the cave that he was in was covered by an enormous heavy stone. When they got there, 
they discovered they didn't even need to ask that question because they arrived there and the Bible says an angel came and rolled away the stone, and I love this, and sat on it. You know what I'm, I'm like, why did that angel sit on it? I mean, for me, that's just so, so lovely. I mean, he could have just rolled away that stone and disappeared. It says the guards that had been there were lying on the floor like dead men, I bet. He sat, I mean, I feel like it was just like the biggest show-off of anything, you know. The, this angel, maybe this was the, you know, I, I can see this picture in heaven. All those angels just like, who gets to roll away the stone? Please me, please me, please me. God just like picking that little one who's never done anything, you know. Okay, you go. And I mean, he just like probably rolls away the stone with his baby finger and he sits on it. You know, he's not like hidden. He's like glory raining out of him. The God's falling at his feet like dead men. And he said, you try and hurt my God. That's not in the Bible. That's my rendition. But these two Marys arrive there and the angel tells them he's not here. He's risen. Yeah. I mean, the, this had never happened in the, ever in history. So people had come back from the dead, but they'd used their old bodies, you know. The, this, was, this was something so new and so wild and so amazing. So they, where is he? Where is he? They tell the ladies to go ahead and tell the disciples that Jesus would meet them in Galilee. They head off, and as they are leaving the tomb, they meet Jesus himself. The Bible says they hung on to his feet. I mean, I bet I would be like, oh, just don't go again, don't go again. This is so mind-blowing. And Jesus again tells them, go and tell the disciples what has happened? Now you might say, well, who, you know, who wrote that down? Did they not have an agenda in all of this? Could they not have just hidden the body? Here's, here's the amazing thing, is that those two women in those days, were very low down on society's rung. Women were not very well looked after. In fact, they, or well thought of, should I say rather, they could not even give testimony in a court of law because their, their testimony was not considered valid. Only men could give testimony in a court of law. And I can see the women shaking their heads. Praise the Lord for progress. But God chose two of the lowest members of society to be the first proclaimers of an empty tomb. Now, here's the thing. If someone had made up the story, they never, ever would have chosen women because they were the least believable. So the fact that it was two women must make you think. This is not someone trying to create a hoax because they certainly wouldn't have used women. The next thing I want to say about the empty tomb is that Christianity in the first few centuries of his existence experienced the most horrific persecution. 
People were killed left, right, and center. Do you think that at some stage, someone in the middle of torture, if this had been a hoax and they knew there was a body somewhere, do you not think one of those thousands of people who were tortured, maimed, persecuted, told they couldn't do business, oppressed, do you not think that one of them at least would have brought the body to light? Say, please, 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 I want, I want to do business in the economy. I'm recanting my Christianity. Here's the body. Or go and find the body over there. At least one, through all that persecution, not one person brought a body forward. Not one person. The Roman authorities, the Jewish authorities were desperate to find a body. Not one of them brought forward a body. The tomb was empty. Then we have eyewitnesses who saw Jesus resurrected, alive and well. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 to 8, Paul writing, he says that 500 people at least saw Jesus at one time, men only. (laughs) Then he goes on and he says, and then Jesus appeared to James. Who was James? James was Jesus' half-brother. They'd grown up in the same home. The Bible says that at one stage, James didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Him and his family came to call Jesus and say, stop with this Messiah stuff. Yeah, yeah you're, you're embarrassing the family. Come on, just, just stop it now. This was James. And yet, he became the leader of the church after Jesus' resurrection. He was so convinced, so convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. His mind was so converted from this is a hoax to this is the real thing that he became the leader of the church. His brother, I don't know if you have a brother or a sister, but have you ever tried to con your brother and sister? You know, they see right through you. It's like, oh, no, you're not so great. I mean, try, try and look great to your brother and sister. It's like, oh, please, we know what you looked like when you got out of bed this morning. <laughs> Let's look at lives given. I already said to you that thousands upon thousands of lives have been martyred in the name of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2, verse 20 is Paul writing, and he says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. That very man who wrote that example of utter devotion to Jesus Christ, was one of the final witnesses that saw Jesus. You remember he was on the road to Damascus persecuting the church, killing Christians left, right, and center, or at least approving of it. And Jesus appeared to him and stopped him in his tracks. And he became one of the most devoted followers of Jesus that we have record of. 
he himself was martyred for his faith. So many people gave their lives for the belief that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Again, the point remains. If it had been a hoax, James, Jesus' brother, would have known it. The, these people would have known it because they were there. Not one of them came forward and said, stop burning me at the stake. You're right. Jesus isn't true. Stop taking away my children. Stop um, depriving me of economic freedom. Jesus really isn't true. Let me tell you the truth. Not one of them came forward and said that under the most excruciating persecution, they gave their lives freely gave their lives freely because they had seen a resurrected Christ. They knew the truth. And the last L in the word tell is lives given. Sorry, lives changed. Lives given, lives changed. I've already told you about James, Jesus' brother, and how he he just completely changed his belief system on seeing Jesus resurrected. I haven't even begun to tell you of Peter, who was, who was just so weak and insipid beforehand, just unable to hold his faith together, denying Jesus at every turn. And after he had experienced the resurrected Christ, was bold and strong in his affirmation of who Jesus was. This Jesus whom you crucified, he said in Acts 2, God has made both Lord and Christ. The Bible is full of lives transformed by the encounter with Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Look around the room. Imagine who you would have been had you not encountered Jesus. I tremble, I tremble to think what I would be if I had not found Jesus. Some years back, Andrew and I were planting a church and a girl arrived at one of our meetings. We had met her on campus and we'd invited her and she came to church and she gave her life to Jesus she surrendered she said oh, I need you as my Lord and Savior and after that I spent some time with her getting to know her it was clear she had some emotional problems she was difficult to relate to she she started arguments easily she you know she was she was a difficult person to be around and I started a relationship with her just to find out who she was and what was going on I discovered this that she had been born to a mother who was a prostitute. And day after day, as a, a young girl and a teenager, she, she would wake up in the middle of the night to have some man crawling in through the window of her little room. They, her mother was busy, and they wanted what they wanted. And so they came for the next best thing, the little girl sleeping in the room next door. And she, she can remember night after night of rape after rape after rape. In addition, she was darker skinned than many of her, her, her siblings or the people in the community, and so was ostracized in many, many fronts. 
She remembers going to school often without shoes, without food, without books, because she was the bottom of the pile and she just didn't get it. And you know, that kind of life, left unchecked, almost always leads to deteriorating morals, deteriorating ability to relate to people, just, just pain and heartache. But I want to tell you the glorious results of her life. She met Jesus. She finished her degree. She became a nurse. She moved to England. She became a part of our Every Nation Church in England, became one of the leaders in the Every Nation Church there um, in London, met a very handsome British man, married him, and is now living in Canada with gorgeous children, living... You know, she's not president. She's not like a CEO of the hospital. But she's a gloriously in love with Jesus person who is raising a healthy family, who's having healthy relationships, who's living whole and signi- a whole and significant life, who's, who's moving on with things. An impossibility in light of where she came from. Why? Because people who encounter the risen Christ, their lives are changed. Did Jesus rise from the dead? The overwhelming evidence says yes. But of course, then we have to ask the next question. If he rose from the dead, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? I want to just go to a passage of scripture I'm going to read quickly and just make very, two very quick points from what we are reading. It says in John 20 from verse 19, On the evening of that first day of the week, this is after Jesus has been crucified, the disciples are mourning, are alone, ashamed, afraid. It says, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Moving on. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. What does it mean to have a resurrected Christ? It means this, that Jesus Christ will walk through the walls of your doubt and fear, and he will make himself known to you. It means that I don't care how, how disappointed you are with life. I don't care how things haven't worked out. Think of those disciples. Every dream of theirs dashed in the death of Jesus Christ. They've given their lives for this. Sitting in a room, trembling and afraid, knowing that the authorities are coming for them next. 
Jesus will walk through the walls of your doubt and fear, just as he did for them. Those disciples were not locked behind doors and walls, only physical doors and walls. They were there because they were afraid and they were in doubt. And I want to say to you that a resurrected Christ that means that there is no situation in your life that Jesus cannot impact. There is no broken marriage. There is no lost child. There is no failed business. There is no economic disaster. There is no physical disaster. There is no sickness and disease that Jesus cannot step through those barriers and say, I am here and I make a difference. John 12, 46 says this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And my concluding point is that if Jesus rose from the dead, then Jesus is who he says he is. What does that mean? It means his promises are true and his instructions are valid. If Jesus rose from the dead, he is who he says he is. His promises are true and his instructions are valid. If I can summarize it like this, Jesus irreparably destroyed the barrier between God and mankind. In him, heaven came to earth, divinity mixed with humanity, the supernatural became natural, and the impossible became possible. God made his dwelling place with us. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Yes, he did. Proving, so proving that he is God, therefore we can expect the inbreaking presence of God in our lives. We can trust him, and following him is the best decision we could make. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your goodness and your greatness. Lord God, indeed, you are the resurrected Christ. You are the one above all. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. You defeated the undefeatable. You stood in the face of death and you said, I win here too. You took on the worst of the worst. You took on the worst of the worst. Lord, right now, I want to ask that the walls of doubt and fear in all of our lives, we all have them, Lord. Would you step through them? Would you step through them? I don't know what what your walls are. I don't know what your desperate situation is. But right now, there is a resurrected Christ who has the ability to make a difference. I see him handing or putting forward his hands and saying, put your fingers in the nail marks. Touch the wound in my side. I'm more real than the air you breathe. I'm more real than the air you breathe. Lord, we trust you completely. We give our lives again to be the ones like those women who are told, go and tell the world. 
hands that he has risen. Lord, I want to ask that you would come and touch every one of these lives. Lord God, some people living in this place of doubt and fear, this, this place, of, place of devastation, Lord God, what they really need from you is courage. Courage. They need you to touch their hearts and, and give them a feeling of, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So Lord God, I, right now I want to ask that you would touch those hearts and you would tell them you have a future and a hope for them. You have plans that they have not even imagined, that they can take your hand and they can walk through the situation and you will be good and you will be God. Lord, there are people in these situations that they need to trust you. They need to trust you more than they've ever trusted you before. They need to be able to say, even though I don't have the ability to change this, you will do something miraculous. And right now, I hear him saying to you, do not fear my son. Do not fear my daughter. I am with you. I have already gone before you. I have already made a way for you. Take my hand. Trust me. And we will walk through this. those of you right now that you are facing situations, I feel like some, some medical instances, some, some very difficult situations at work, and it's like, the, it, naturally speaking, there is no solution. But I hear the Lord saying, when I rose from the dead, I destroyed forever the lie that the natural world determines your destiny. I destroyed forever the lie that your circumstances determine what you can do and what you can't do. And so I speak into those lives right now, healing, restoration, a greatness of thinking, a faith beyond what they've believed before. Lord God, the ability to see into the heavenlies, to know what's coming, Lord God, and the ability to trust you more than they ever have before, to take your hand and say, I will walk through this with you. I will walk through this with you. And right now, in Jesus' name, I take authority over every fear and every doubt, every lie of the enemy that has been planted in the souls and the minds of these people. And I say, you must go now in Jesus' name. 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 Ha! 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that comes through faith in you. That we stand healed, delivered, redeemed, made new. And Lord God, we rise up into the fullness of what that means. I am no longer a slave. I'm no longer forgotten. I'm no longer abandoned. I'm no longer poor, miserable. I'm now a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I stand with the glory and the majesty and the power of His kingdom backing me. I walk into my future confident that God will be there. I walk into my future knowing that the armies of heaven, that the glory of God is coming with me. 
Thank you, Lord. I proclaim with all of heaven that nothing is impossible, that nothing is impossible. And I stand with the maker of the universe, the one who declared, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not die. Even though he dies, he will live. Thank you, Lord. 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 Can we just give the Lord another hand? Thank you, Lord. The last prayer I want to pray, if you wouldn't mind just all bowing your heads one more time. If you are in here and you know that your life is not right with Jesus, perhaps you've been skeptical in the past or perhaps you've been just downright, I don't want to do it in the past, but now you're at the place and you're saying, I want Jesus in charge. I want to trust him. Maybe you want to trust him again or you want to trust him for the first time. I believe that his work on the cross was enough to set me free. And I put my trust in that. And if that's you and you want to make that kind of commitment to follow Jesus, to make him supreme in your life, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind raising your hand where you are because I want to pray for you. Is there anyone who would like to make that commitment this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to make that commitment? Please go ahead and raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Thank you. Church, can we just pray this all together? Lord Jesus, I come to you and I surrender my life. Lord, I acknowledge you as the king of all. Lord God, I give up my own attempts to create my own righteousness. And I receive your righteousness as a gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?